we are continuing our three-part mini-series on six steps to B2B sales, how to find, engage, and get corporate clients consistently. So stay tuned. We're going to dive into part two. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello and welcome back. We are continuing our three-part mini-series on the six steps to B2B sales today and looking at the best way to find, engage and get corporate clients consistently. And as a colleague of mine, Kristin Faser, recently put it, how to get your foot in the door of the big companies which represent $300 plus billion marketplace. So I'm sure we all want a piece of that, right? Why consultants, coaches, trainers, and other expert service providers find it hard to get corporate clients, especially when starting out, is they don't always understand the difference between B2B and B2C in terms of sales and marketing. Many also underestimate the value they bring. It's quite common that our limiting beliefs hold us back, and that even though we have a ton of expertise to offer any company, big or small, We think we're new and small and can't play in that bigger playing field. So in part one, I talked a bit about that positioning. And next, we'll dive into the middle steps of the B2B sales process. But my warning is, don't start here. Really work on that positioning, that mindset, that framing of what it is that you can bring that's unique and different to perhaps others in your space, in your field. So just to recap, the six steps are positioning, pipeline, prospecting, proposal, presentation or pitch and persistence. So in that previous episode, we dove deep into step number one, positioning, because I can't emphasize enough how critical that is to your success. And we also looked at step two, building your pipeline of organizations that you want to work with. So in this episode now, we'll move on to step three, prospecting, and step four, proposals. Again, I repeat, make sure you don't start in the middle, because a lot of people do just start with networking and getting into conversations before they really know their unique value proposition and what they actually deliver for a specific target market. Until you're really ready to articulate this clearly in terms that are important to the client, then keep working on the aligning, targeting and positioning to get your messaging to the point of clarity. And then use those early conversations to really home in on the kind of language people in certain roles and certain organisations use to talk about their problems, the frustrations and the challenges that you help them with. Now, what happens if you skip that prep work to get clear is that you end up feeling like an icky sales agent rather than an expert consultant. And if you haven't listened to episode 73, the one before this one, and you've come straight to part two or part three, 
best if you go through part one first. We looked at ways to firm up your positioning in the marketplace, where you can get that ideal client avatar dialed in and think particularly about the strategic business objectives that you're helping the organization to achieve. And then we went through how to create and manage a pipeline of organizations and identify the key roles of people you need to reach and connect with and how to prioritize the order in which you start contacting them in terms of how good a fit they are, what the existing relationship is and how easy it is to access them. And don't forget, there's a checklist on all six steps that you can download from my website at jallison.com. Just go to the Academy and it's under free stuff. Now, today we'll move to the next two steps, prospecting and proposals. And then in part three, we'll talk about the follow-up and another two crucial steps that maximize your success to get corporate clients. Now, first, I wanna reiterate the importance of being the hunted, not the hunter. Most consultants and coaches are expert in their subject matter or field of practice. They love what they do but they hate the whole promoting and prospecting and pitching part of running their own business and finding clients. And I say to you this, what if marketing and selling yourself isn't what you think it is? What if you could use your consulting and coaching skills to attract your ideal client to you and provide enough value and insight that they automatically ask how they can work with you? Being the hunted is always going to be nicer, better, easier than being the hunter. On the B2B side of my business, the way I've always gone about selling into organizations, and it's what I teach my Leverage Business Accelerator clients to do, is that there are six steps to a successful process that leads you to get corporate clients. And most consultants, coaches and experts go about B2B sales all wrong or they miss vital steps out but this is the bridge to the holy grail. So it's really worth building a strong one, right? But most people focus only on prospecting or the proposal writing in isolation to three other steps. And they're really poor on consistent follow-up. So often there's a big hole in what they're doing that loses you opportunities. You must start with step one. This is the most important step to take first. And that's why I put it first. So again, if you haven't listened to part one episode yet or read the article version, please, please hit stop and go play that one first. If you're just getting started, getting your positioning right and getting clear on your messaging makes perfect sense. But even if you've been in business a while already, if you're not getting clients in easily, if you're not the hunted, but the hunter, then working on improving your positioning can be the game changer and really help tighten up your play. It's worth getting help with this from a business strategist or copy chief. Once you've got the positioning dialed in, to the extent that you feel you're clear on the type of corporate client that you want to go after and know what you can help them with specifically, you can embark on step two, doing your research and due diligence about potential target organizations that fit your ideal client avatar. Bear in mind, it's an iterative process. You'll be strengthening your positioning and refining your messaging at every step. So don't worry if you're not 100% there. It can take a few rounds to really nail your messaging. 
Next step is to plan out how to work your pipeline to get to that important first contact and start the prospecting process. So step three is prospecting. Once you know your pipeline contact is a good fit and there's an opportunity to do business, the next step, step three, is prospecting. This is one, how you go about getting in front of the key people you need to talk to who may not be the first person you contacted or spoke with. And two, what to ask and understand. It's not about what you want them to buy or selling yourself. Prospecting builds on what you're doing in your pipeline research and how you then go about getting an introduction or forging a new relationship. Once you establish a connection, you can book a call where your primary goal is to find out more about their context, strategic need, budget and urgency. Of course, it's also an opportunity to share how you came to do what you do and successes you've had for other companies, but it's not really a selling call at this point. When you're prospecting, you're looking for fit, you're looking for rapport building, you're looking for common ground. So on a B2B sales call, initially what you principally want to be doing is in fact scoping the proposal, gathering the information you need, validating assumptions and getting the specific parameters clear that you're going to use later when you send them a proposal. The easiest offer to start with is going to be something you've already delivered and had great results for working with clients directly. It's best to go with a small engagement and get your foot in the door rather than coming right out of the gate with a big ticket offer. It can be a training or a service or program of work or a collaboration of some kind, but it's something that you know people in a specific role within a specific type of organization are likely to want and need And it gives them that first stepping stone to working with you and seeing some results, a minimum viable outcome that you can deliver for them. A client I was working with last year came to me because he wanted to get regular consulting contracts with IT type companies and he wasn't having any success getting hired. And partly this is because his offer wasn't clear or tangible enough. It was too open ended without clear deliverables or outcomes. And partly it was because he was trying to sell them on a first date, so to speak, not knowing if they were actually a fit or had the problem that he could help with. So we worked on his positioning, first of all, to align his area of expertise in a way that gave him a competitive edge and to package up then his program so that it had a clear goal, outcome and time frame. We then got him to think strategically One, where are the pressure points for employers right now? Where are the pressure points for companies like the companies that he wanted to work with? Two, what are the priority business objectives for companies? Three, what are the urgent pressing needs that managers are tasked to deliver? Four, where are their training gaps in terms of in-house capacity, time or skills? And five, how is what you do better or faster than their existing approach. In B2B, you don't typically succeed getting someone on a call the first time you reach out. That's what people do very wrong on LinkedIn. They ask for something or offer to hop on a call before developing any kind of mutual connection. You also probably won't get corporate clients by posting on social media. Even though some channels may be great for sharing insights with your tribe, Undoubtedly, your average HR director or C-suite 
won't be following you on Twitter or TikTok. Consumers possibly, but rarely your B2B decision makers. For B2B, you have to influence from a much higher level of service. It's not at all the same as B2C marketing. It's much more about person-to-person relationship building than funnels and nurture sequences. But there is one common approach that you can use, and that's your lead magnet. While for B2C, a lead magnet or freebie is all about getting someone to opt into your list so you can nurture the relationship long enough to market to them through emails. With B2B, your lead magnet needs to be much more of an authority piece, like a white paper or a research report, a presentation recording, or a VIP mastermind or free consultation. Those can all work. A good thought leadership piece positions you as a credible authority in your specialist area. And because your B2B organizational contact doesn't care how many followers you have on social media or how big your list is, they care about whether or not you know what you're doing and that they can trust you to deliver real results for them. For B2B, if you want to get corporate clients, your number one priority is to create a specific magnet that leads into the core program or service that you offer. Any content you'll publish or share should be showcasing your incredible work, your incredible track record with amazing client names and proven results. Now, whether your B2B prospect magnet is a short cutting edge research report or a book or a VIP event, They're going to work way better if you incorporate stories and case studies. For instance, if you plan to write a book or create a signature talk, you'll have bigger success when you can share client stories and case studies of proven results. If you're building a webinar or an online workshop course, you'll have bigger success when you can incorporate real world experience from your initial client work. When trying to secure speaking engagements, you'll have bigger success getting selected and see more engagement from your talks when you have impactful case studies to share. And if you run a mastermind program, the more proven results you can bring to the table, the bigger the pool of prospects will be and the bigger the likelihood of attracting bigger corporate clients. Once you're in a conversation or networking with your prospect, it's a chance to ask those important questions about need, about budget cycles, about timeframes, And importantly, to identify who's the key person or role who would decide on contracting with you for the kind of services that you deliver. Now, much of what you'll need to ask about is what you'll put into the proposal. So let's move into step four, the proposal. At the proposal stage, it's where you get to present your offer in the format the organization needs. Sometimes it's a written proposal and sometimes it's a verbal presentation or both. You submit a proposal and if you're invited, you go along and present your pitch. Make sure you prepare and tailor your proposal to the specific organisation taking on all that you learned from the prospecting, aka scoping, conversation. Proposals can take various forms. Sometimes it's open format, you get to present the case as you see fit, and sometimes the organisational company want you to use a particular template. Sometimes if it's an invitation to tender, you're fitting your proposal into a format that they give. And sometimes it's maybe just a presentation. 
For this step, I'm not going to talk about how to write an effective proposal because I've gone through this and I gave you a template back in episode 62. And I also talked through pricing strategies in episode 72. For professional service providers, what to charge might just be the most stressful decision you ever have to make, especially if you're new to business. There are a lot of moving parts to consider to create a really solid pricing structure. So if that's what you need to figure out, go to episode 72, where I go through the key strategies that you can use to get to that magic number, your quote. What I'll share here relates to what you should be doing before and after the proposal stage. So you know what to put into the proposal and how to follow up. The worst thing that I see is people just say, I um, don't know where to start. So they've got a blank proposal template or they've just got their own template or they've just literally got a blank piece of paper. And they're like, how do I structure this? What do I put in? What do I include? Where do I put my price? And, you know, really, that's all figured out in that episode um, 62. And the pricing is figured out in 72. So. If you want a discussion around any of that, then book a free consult with me and we'll see where that takes us in terms of the kind of ways that I can help you going forward. Um, What I want to do right here is just to emphasize that if you tend to jump to this step because prospects said, hey, put a proposal together, it's problematic and it's probably going to keep you up at night worrying because firstly, it can just be a fob off. And it's just something that they say. It's like, yeah, yeah, send me a proposal. Um, And secondly, because you cannot write an effective proposal if you haven't really scoped it out and you won't get the gig if you leave the ball completely in your prospect's court. Essentially, for the framework we use, there's five sections. Number one is business objectives, where you set out the challenge and the context. Number two is the proposal uh, or project overview. So that would be around your solution. The third part is process or framework. And that's where you set out your unique methodology. And I wouldn't spend more than 20, 30% of the proposal space on that. The fourth area is deliverables, where you set out the outputs, the outcomes and the impact. And you can also then include the team and the timeline. And the final fifth part is where you talk about the investment and any payment terms. So you look out to put down your costings, terms and conditions and some of the legal um, parts of it. Sometimes you actually just want to send an outline proposal. You don't want to go into it in you just want the headlines. You don't want to go into massive detail because at this stage you may still be trying to gauge their level of interest. But those are essentially the headings and sections for a proposal. The content comes from the exploratory conversation or the brief that they gave you. And if you can summarize it in a couple of paragraphs, then you know you're clear, right? Often I'll send out an outline before writing the full proposal, as I said, because I want to make sure that I'm on the right track with the client, the prospective client. So I'll email them something like, Here's what I heard from you, what's plaguing you, the challenges you have, the outcomes you want to have. Here's what I think will happen for your organization. Why I think this is a good investment for you. Here's how we're going to work together in this plan. Here's how long it's going to take and what's included in it. And here's your part and my part. Here's how much it's going to be and how you're going to pay that out. And then here's a few other things down here. And here's how to accept this proposal or agreement. And let's get started. So basically, it's just those 
headline kind of things that you're just touching base with them on. And I've sometimes just laid it out just like that as headlines. I send my contact an outline first via email and say, get back to me if this sounds about right. And if you need a formal proposal at this stage, let me know if you have a template you'd like us to use. And I may also reaffirm the timeline for a decision. Um, And I'll say, you mentioned getting underway by January 23, and I'll need a decision by this date in order to ensure that we can get it into our schedule. This approach just saves countless hours and so much stress writing long, complicated proposals that don't end up going anywhere. Scoping and having powerful exploratory conversations is one of the things that we've got really, really good at in my consulting business, because writing effective proposals is as much about what you do before and after to get clear on the goals, the pain points, the budget, etc. And we bring in a lot of work. And nowadays, I don't deliver much of it myself. We work on a model of building teams around a proposal. And I use a network of associates and VAs that I can pull together. So we're scoping projects, writing proposals, building teams and evaluating a lot of projects. So I know what needs to go into a proposal to win the contract. And what you do after you've written the proposal is just as important. How to present it, how to follow up without being a pest, how to set up that follow up, where you're willing to negotiate to get to an agreement. And that's exactly what we'll go into in part three coming next. So I'll catch up with you then. Just a quick final word in my book, we do dive deeper into business design that enables the major leverage points in your brand, your marketing, sales and your delivery. And that's available via leveragedconsultingbook.com. If you haven't got a copy, then there you go. I shall see you next time. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.